Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Well, we're here again. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast because it is indeed a special episode because we are celebrating the 10-year anniversary of this show. I've been doing this podcast for actually over 10 years if you're we're being nitpicky about it, but for those of you that have listened to this show evolve over time, I commend you. I really appreciate it. And trust me, it is not lost on me the fact that I can spend all of my time focused on podcasts and the podcast world. Like, I mean, to be clear, this podcast is not making me money to the point of where I am just doing this as a full-time job. Abundantly clear about that. I don't care. I love the fact that this thing provides so much value to people who care about independent music, punk and hardcore, and all the things that keep us attached to this scene. Because I find that as I grow older within this music scene, I care about it so much more, even though I spend maybe less time with it now than I did when I was, you know, 21 years old or whatever. I just, uh, I really appreciate this podcast, this vehicle for expression, and uh, it's awesome to be able to share it with you. And, and trust me, trust me, this just sounds very sort of self-congratulatory, but uh, I'm very proud of this the fact that we've been able to build this this community where um, you know people just check out the show on a week-to-week basis, and that's, that's incredibly meaningful. So thank you. Even if you're listening to this podcast for the very first time, there's 10 years of shows you can catch up with. There, you don't need to listen to it in uh, you know, descending or ascending order. You can listen to whatever it is that you want. You will hopefully hear a progression over time. But I genuinely thank all of you for listening because... I have a white whale guest on this show. I, you know, anytime you're marking any sort of anniversary, it's always like, oh man, I want to do something like special and kind of wrap my head around this. 
And uh, I was able to chase down a person who I'd wanted to speak to. And we actually joke about it a few times in the interview because he's like, oh, yeah, I remember you texting me a while ago. I remember you emailing me. And like, I just, you know, I wasn't wasn't in the mood. (laughs) And I'm like, I understand. Anyways, Chris Higdon from Elliot and Falling Forward and Frontiers. Elliot is a total all-timer band for me. I was able to see them a few times when they originally existed, touring off of U.S. songs and false cathedrals and even Song Nair. I watched them progress as a band, and I loved every step of the way. And I'm so excited they're playing shows. I have tickets to see them in the next few weeks. Very excited about that. But uh, Chris was always a really interesting figure because he played such a big part of, obviously, the Louisville hardcore scene, playing and falling forward. And then uh, Elliot loomed large within the, you know, emo indie rock scene. And then uh, I think a lot of people just don't, aren't even aware that Frontiers existed. But Frontiers, if you have not listened to those, it's an EP and a full length, please tap into it. I'll, of course, include that in the show notes for you to listen to. But um, yeah, I just, I pursued Chris for a long time. And finally, was able to shout out to Vic Martin, a great friend of mine who was able to connect the dots. And uh, finally, we got this over the the hump and we had this conversation. So you can always email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. I appreciate any and all feedback. You also heard a new show, new show, a new song at the top of the show from a good friend of mine named Eugene. He plays in a band called Tapestry Gold. I will link it up in the show notes moving forward where you can uh, check out the music that he puts out there. Uh, he did my last theme song, and after for a couple years, I was like, you know what, I want to change it up a little bit. And he had these really, really beautiful songs, and I wanted to feature them. So thank you very much, Tapestry Gold, for supplying the theme music moving forward, you know, probably for the next couple of years until I feel like I want to change it. Uh, you can also, it's free, completely free. You can leave a rating and review on Apple podcasts or just leave a rating on the Spotify platform. All those things help the show get discovered, but most importantly, tell your friends because that's the best way that, uh, this show can spread. Oh, anyways, I, I do just so thankful of this show existing. It has opened up so many doors for me, not only professionally, personally, meeting people who I really genuinely care about their music. And I just love that this thing exists. So anyways, here's to 10 years, hopefully 10 years more, maybe 15, 20, maybe I'll just like hand the show down to my child (laughs) as like a a part in my will where it's like, here's the RSS feed, a kiddo in... (laughs) Oh, that sounds dark. But anyways, thank you for listening. I will continue to do this until, um, yeah, I can't do this anymore. So here's Chris Higdon from Elliot Falling Forward Frontiers. And for those of you that are unaware, Elliot is reuniting and playing some shows I just, I can't recommend you making trips out to wherever you possibly can see them because I saw them a few times when they existed, actually a lot (laughs) when they existed and they're an incredible band. So here we go. Here is Chris from Elliot on the show. And I have a very, very distinct memory of something that uh, I, I want you to either call me crazy that I remember this or call me crazy because this is uh, not an actual fact, <laughs> but okay. fo- follow along here. So um, 
you when you first started touring off of around the U.S. songs era, you had this, uh, you know, philosophy slash, um, you know, uniform that you guys wore when you played of white button down shirts, you know, black pants, whatever it was. And the idea was and I I, I want to say I remember this based off of an interview that you did in some zine where you were wanting to create a blank canvas so people wouldn't know what you sounded like because obviously you were setting up your equipment and if someone sees you wearing a Madball t-shirt, clearly <laughs> they know you're going to sound like a hardcore band or whatever. It, it, w- am I insane for remembering this or was this an actual thing that you guys were doing? Because I, I, the first time it I saw was. you, I want to say, okay, good, thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, you're not crazy. And it, you know, and it, and I, you know, to be completely transparent, it yes, that was the idea was to to say, hey, we're just a band up here. We're not trying, you know. It wasn't. We weren't trying. Sometimes I look back and I'm like, oh god, it looks like we're just being pretentious, or you know. But it really, we were trying to give a blank slate. But it's also because I don't, I didn't want to be the guy to say, hey, you wear this and you got to wear this and you'd wear. I was like, if we let's just all wear the same thing. Um, and it wasn't as much like a uniform as it was just like, let's not give off the vibe of, you know, the typical, like, Oh, that guy's in hardcore. Cause he's got cargo shirts on. This guy is in indie rock because he's got tight black jeans on. Um, you know, that was kind of my thinking on it, but it only, it lasted a while. We went white shirt, black pants. Then we went that white shirt thing was a disaster on tour. So then we went all black, sure, <laughs> all black uh, shirts and and jeans or pants. And then uh, and then finally, I think it was on a hot water tour. Just like everyone was just like, I'm done with this. And I was like, Fine, I'm not gonna. This I'm not gonna force it. Yeah. yeah, I'm not gonna die on this hill. So everybody wore their, you know, civilian clothes, and and that's where it went from that point on. Right. I just uh, I I find it so um, it, not only informative in my own brain, but I, I think it was uh, it the articulation of that idea, especially because you know that was clearly pre-internet where you didn't have to. Yes, of course, there were times where people published pictures and their cut and paste zines or whatever, but you didn't have to reckon with the fact that you knew what a band sounded like immediately. There's that mystery. <laughs> you could show up to a show and be like, oh, you know, like I remember, I'm, I'm fairly certain you guys, you, you guys came out west once with that band from Long Island inside, correct? Mm, that that's one throws me a little bit. I'm not sure. No, it's okay. Well, re- regardless, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you, you going to a show to see one specific band, but not knowing what the other band sounded like, that was exactly what you guys were trying to accomplish where it's like, oh yeah, you don't know what we sound like until you have to reckon with our music, <laughs> whether right. that's good or bad. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and, and back then, yeah, like you said, it was, um, for me going to a show and usually here in Louisville, the, the scene at the time when I first started going to see things, you, we went for the local band. We did not go for the, for the national touring act that was, that was uh, playing with them. Right. And so, but then we would see them and then 
obviously we would, you know, love them buy all their merch and buy all, you know, their records and, and whatnot. Um, but you know, that was my situation with, you know, even seeing bands like judge or shelter or, you know, whatever I was going to see the, the Louisville, you know, local band and then being turned on to these national acts, which obviously are, you know, the heavy hitters of, of the whole scene, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, I, I just love that. And I, I, this is funny. I will, I tried to do that for the hardcore band that I played in, but the, both of the guitarists worked at banks. So they oh. were very, yeah, they were very much like, listen, we're not going to wear our bank clothes on stage. And I was, <laughs> I was right. like, I was like, Oh yeah, it's a good point. And so, you know, very, I mean, lasted much uh, shorter than your stint. I think we right. played like three shows like that. And then finally the rest of the band quit with that <laughs> attire. And I was the only one wearing it. And I'm like, yeah, this is dumb. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And then there was great bands and, you know, that you would see photos of that were just kind of mysterious to us, um, like statue and, and, you know, things like that. You would see, you know, be like, Oh man, you know, that looks cool. Like, you know, they're just, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a look, it's a aesthetic. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, but yeah, the white, I'm not sure the, the all white and shirt and black pants are kind of, we just kind of look like waiters, I think. <laughs> you know, a, lot of, a lot of the stuff. Totally, totally. But yeah, especially some of the venues you were playing where it's like, yeah, you literally could, could have been mistaken for, you know, the, the potential staff there or whatever. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so kind of, you know, pulling, pulling back and looking at you as an individual, um, were you actually born and raised in Louisville or where'd you come up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was raised here in the, uh, typically what we call South end of Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of the kind of blue collar working, you know, man area, if you will. Um, and, uh, Shively, Kentucky, close to Shively. Um, but uh but yeah it's basically just in louisville right 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 and what did your what was your family structure like growing up like mom and dad in the house brothers and sisters what was the uh the composition of that i am an only child and i have all the things that go with that and uh and then uh yeah my mom and dad you know were always in the house uh so they could put they could put all their re- yeah they could put all their resources towards you Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, as a, as an only child, it's, you know, you, you know, my mom thought or believes, you know, whatever I was doing, it was the first time someone thought of it. You know, it's like, Oh, I created, you know, vegetarianism and hardcore and (laughs) straight edge and all, and all those things uh, only in my mother's eye. But, you know, that's it. I, I, yeah, well, I mean, to her, you were because you were bringing all these revolutionary weirdo ideas home, and she was like, "Wow, Chris, where did you discover? Like, this is insane." Exactly. No, I mean, and it was. I mean, for it was such a different. I don't want to say it, it's a different time for everybody and everything, but growing up, even in Louisville in the South End, um, you know, to get where the music was happening. I mean, it was a, a challenge in itself. You know, you'd have to get on a, um, you one, you just have to know about it. And then you'd have to, you know, find the small club or, you know, whatnot. And I didn't get turned on to any of that until, 
you know, at least maybe eighth grade around there. My first show was in 89. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So. And what were your, uh, what were your parents doing from a job perspective? Were they, um, you know, was your mom at home taking care of you or is she working? What was your dad doing? No, they were both working all the time. Um, I was your typical, you know, latchkey kid, mm-hmm. um, you know, starting, I, I want to say like third grade, which seems kind of crazy to me. Right. <laughs> being, being a dad myself and having a, and, you know, having a eight year old and a 12 year old. Um, but, uh, you know, times were different then. And, uh, and so, yeah, you just, you know, ride the bus home from school and, you know, make yourself get, get in the house, make yourself some food and then go out and play until, you know, it was nighttime. Um, but, uh, yeah, my dad was a school teacher, so he was okay. an English, uh, teacher and then, um, and also worked at the newspaper and then, uh, my mom was a legal secretary, so she Got did, it. she did that. Yeah, so basically, you know, from my dad would go, you know, school, so he would be at work from you know around seven until, and then he would work, then go to the newspaper job, and then so he would, you know, he would usually be gone from like seven till nine ish, ten, you know, so. Didn't see him a ton, but, it, you know, he was always on the go. Sure. Right. Yeah. He was on, you know, his, his, his work life in order to provide for the family, just as your mom was. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so you just kind of playing armchair psychologist here from all the times that I, I saw Elliot throughout the years. Um, you know, you seem like a friendly yet reserved person where you're not, <clears throat> you know, kind of sucking the oxygen out of the room where it's like, Oh, Chris, you know, like life of the party guy with the lampshade on his head or whatever. <laughs> um, it, was the reserve nature kind of, uh, always who you were, or, uh, do you think that's just kind of a, a, uh, reflection of, um, you know, what you, you did on stage? Right. I think, uh, it probably represents me. I'm, I'm tend to, be somewhat of an extrovert. Obviously anybody that finds himself on stage has something in them that makes them do that. Or the, whether it be their, whether it be some type of ego or, or something that drives you, um, ambition to make something happen, to share something. Um, but, uh, if you talk to any, I mean, I, I have a tendency to be a punisher of just like, talking and talking and talking, but you know, I think for me, maybe that the way I did come off, especially with the band was, was about, this was, we were here to do this and you know, it was fairly all business when it came down to like, you know, being at the show, performing the show, getting to the next show. Um, you know, I think that's maybe, and then, and then I wouldn't want to, I couldn't really talk a ton because I would, my voice would just get blown out, especially at that time when, you know, we're, you're playing clubs and people can smoke and, you know, it was just, I had to kind of be a little bit reserved, but I do believe on stage to, um, when you're performing, you, you want to give the, 
the music and the band its space to kind of be, if I was cracking jokes in between songs, it just doesn't, it just doesn't play well. It's not, it's not who I am and it's not what the band kind of was about. You know what I mean? I've saw so many bands where it's like, you know, their music is this emotional roller coaster, And then in between songs, the guys, you know, yucking it up. And it's like, it just doesn't, you, you lose that momentum. So I'd rather just keep my mouth shut. Right. That, I appreciate that uh, description of it because it does, um, especially when you're talking about music that you are trying to create not only an atmosphere, uh, but you're, you're trying to put forward, uh, you know, some sort of uh, idea of how people can potentially reckon to with the music. And yes, there is that juxtaposition that can be sometimes had that's like very funny where you know a really light band is like you know total jokesters or whatever or vice versa where it's like a really heavy band is you know a jokesters but yeah i totally get what you're saying where it's like you know like let's we'll we'll stick to what we know that we do and i'm not going to try to be a stand-up comedian (laughs) between the songs yeah exactly and some bands that's you know was their thing and that's what actually made them great um you know was uh the antics and you know, whatnot. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a band, um, that we're good friends with, uh, Dean Kindles and that, you know, Mark was, he's hilarious as a person. So, you know, and that translate in through the music too. Um, you know, but there, it's all, it all just depends on the, yep. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Especially like, yeah. Anybody that's ever, uh, you know, met, Mark, uh, there's no way that you can't be like, oh, so what? What instrument did you play in the band? It's like, oh, of course you're the singer. Yeah, <laughs> you're, there's no way. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, he's you know he's he is the uh, he is the front man. Yes, you know what I mean. Like, yes, <laughs> it's it's, and he's putting on a show. Yep, no no debating that. That's for sure. Um, so because you didn't really have anybody to bounce off of in regards to siblings and stuff like that, um, how did you kind of first discover, you know, more independent minded music? Cause I, I'm guessing that your parents didn't introduce that to you since you were, your, your mom was no. impressed with all the stuff you were bringing home. Uh, <laughs> yeah. where did that come into play? Oh, definitely just, you know, probably this, it's a, you know, the answer you get all the time, um, started with, kind of metal, you know, heavy metal. And then in, uh, I was always into BMX and skateboarding. Um, so you would see something in Thrasher and, you know, whatnot. And then you start hanging around with, you know, other kids in the neighborhood. Um, and, uh, my buddy that lived down the street, Matt Lozier, he, uh, turned me on to, um, you know, his brother was into local, uh, punk scene. So, you know, he made me a mixtape and, you know, it had a uh, endpoint on it on the one side and I think black flag on the other. Um, and that's how I kind of first got into it. And then once it was kind of explained to me, like, Oh, here's a scene, here's the music. Oh, and here's, you know, straight edge. Here's this, here's vegetarian. I mean, it took, a, it took a good couple of weeks for everything to kind of like, start clicking. But then as soon as it did, it was like, Oh, this is, this is it. This is my, this is what I want to do. You know, not be in a band, but just be part of that community. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, the band thing didn't come for, you know, for years later. Um, right. 
and it was, uh, and that's where right at the same time I was, um, getting into photography. So like that turned into a thing that I could do and be a part of and, uh, take pictures of bands. And that's kind of how I, you know, kind of integrated into that world. Right. Right. Well, that's cool. I actually did not know that you were, um, I know you were obviously a photographer from a profession perspective. Um, the, I just didn't know that you were taking pictures of, like that was your kind of first entry point to, you know, how you're contributing to the scene. I mean, I know you took that, uh, you know, that the, uh, ink and dagger seven inch (laughs) picture and, you know, those other random things, but, uh, that's cool that you were shooting photos. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, the first, you know, kind of stuff, obviously I was just taking a camera into shows and shooting live stuff. And, um, but then for the endpoint guys kind of, um, was able to do, shoot stuff for them. Um, that catharsis record, I did the uh, that album cover um, for that. And so was it this? You know, was it the Samsara cover? Uh, it, it was the the cover with the um, just the silhouette. Um, oh, sure, sure, yeah. Just that's black cool. Black and white. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, so it was just kind of started rolling and and when so in 90 I would have graduated high school in 92 um I was lucky enough to have basically only had one English class and that was the only real class I had the rest was all art and so I was able to be in the dark room from you know for almost 7 hours a day if that's what I wanted to do. Right. Um, that's incredible. Yeah. It was amazing. Cause they didn't have a photography teacher. They had a, they had a dark, uh, dark room, but they had no photography teacher. So it literally was just mine. Um, so it was great. Our buds at Rockabilia just want me to let you know that they really enjoy you and they want you to use this promo code 100 words or less. And they gets you 10% off your entire merchandise order from them. They have so many things for you to possibly find from a merchandise perspective. It's all officially licensed. I don't care if you're into Metallica, Led Zeppelin, Bob Marley, Misfits, you name it. They're kind of like the, you know, cool older brother's closet that you go into where it's like, I don't necessarily know what music I like, but I know I like this type of stuff. That is exactly what Rockabilia is. And they will be able to offer you fast shipping from the Midwest in the United States of America. And it's all officially licensed. So the bands get paid. Everybody wins in this scenario, including you, when you use the promo code 100 words or less. Thank you, Rockabilia, for your continued support of not only this podcast, but independent music in general. And um, yes, buy merch from them. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. 
And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like, the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray. As you started to develop your identity, you know, once you were in high school, like, were you, uh, you know, kind of trying on different things as it were, were you trying, you know, were you a sports kid? Were you, you know, into video games at all? Like what, what sort of things were you, you you tried? Probably a little bit of everything, but you know, it, that no one, my parents are super supportive. We're always super supportive, uh, with me, but never, um, to the point of kind of gauge, you know, if I was like, when I was little, you know, oh, I want to play guitar. Well, I, you know, they got me a guitar, but they didn't teach me that you had, you know, they didn't, I didn't get lessons with the guitar and I didn't, I had no idea you had to, how to tune a guitar. So I'm putting my hands, you know, what they're doing on MTV and I'm like, this is impossible. I have no one, you know, like it sounds horrible. (laughs) And I'm too dense to be like, oh, you got to tune each string to it. So, you know, so I immediately, you know, I left that at fourth grade. Um, but I, you know, I did sports, but then I didn't do, you know, if you're going to be a soccer kid, you've got to do soccer. You've got to do the indoor soccer. You've got to, you know, do it year round. I was like playing soccer in the spring or whenever it was, you know, in the fall. And then I would play basketball in this, you know, and then you just, you know, I would always change. So I would never was good at anything. You know? right. and, the, and, and I went to a school where they literally had an A, B, C, and D team. And I was the D team on the bench for basketball. So it's like someone should have said, you know what? Spend your time doing something else. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Don't> do <this. laughs> like it, yeah. You know, you're, you're just wasting your, your day. Um, but yeah, so, you know, that was kind of that. And that was in grade school. That was, um, once I got to high school, I did play soccer for a little bit, but, um, it wasn't, I was it didn't never, stick. Yeah. I was never good, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, so yeah. So then I got into, you know, around in, in around eighth grade, that's when I started getting into skateboarding. And that was definitely like, you know, you can just, you can just do your thing and not be on your own. And, and I was never great at that, but I love it. Right. Know? Yeah. I still do to this day. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Enough to, you know, all, ollie up a curb and, you know, ride around a skate park and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, bar- Barely even that, but even, but just, you know, once I found, you know, in the last, you know, well, Jesus, you know, probably the last, once I picked it back up again and I was like, Oh, you know what? I, you know, I bought like this, uh, plexiglass board that has like huge trucks and big wheels. And basically you can skate on it with like one foot. But once it was like, oh, what I love is actually just moving, skating, you know, down the street. You know, you don't, I don't have to do tricks. Like, you know, this is what's fun. Um, 
and to you know get that back and, and you know was a was a huge you know eye opener for me it's like oh, yeah you know i don't have to do all this other stuff right yeah yeah you're like this is literally a mode of transportation and i really enjoy that yeah 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 that's uh and uh, on that same idea, like, yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, skateboard opened your eyes up to more independent music, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you were attracted, I know, like you mentioned previously, and I know with, uh, you know, the first uh, band you did falling forward of just the idea of all of these, this subculture that had all of these philosophies attached to it. Um, what what kind of drew you into that where, you know, you were attracted to vegetarianism and straight edge and all of these things? Was it just kind of that feeling that you were able to choose these things on your own or what, what spoke to you? Yeah. I mean, I really think it was, you know, especially, you know, that time period. So, you know, put yourself in like, um, you know, 89, 90, uh, you're just turning 15, uh, getting ready to get a car, maybe, you know, um, there's just so many things where it was like, once I saw it, it's like, oh, you know, it's either back lot parking lots, you know, with Z28s and Camaros, that was kind of like where I was heading, right? If I would have stayed and, and, and followed with, you know, the kind of crew that I was with, that's probably, you know, where I'd, where I'd end up. Um, you know, but then it was like, I saw this opportunity of, you know, when people said, Oh, you know, you can do this and you don't have to, you don't have to party. You don't have to drink. Like you can be a part of, you know, this whole music scene. And, and there's tons of people that, that, you know, in the in the punk scene that were partying and drinking and doing that whole thing that just wasn't like where I was ending up I mean we'd all end up in the same parking lot uh hanging out um because that's what you know I guess we do in in Louisville but um or at least back then before uh before the internet but um you know it it just it just, it was just it was it was a no-brainer you know it was like oh yeah, this is what I want to do. Um, I loved, you know, being part of the community. I loved, you know, everybody would be trying to find out, you know, oh, where's where's the next show? Where's this? And and then that turned into going to other cities, um, you know, that and you know, um, you know, I think by the time I was, you know, sixteen or seventeen, we, you know, we we're traveling to other states to to go see shows and i'm sure that's a you know a very similar story that that a lot of people have yeah absolutely and like you said previously you were you know taking photos at shows and you were uh, feeling like you you know were a part of scene and uh, of the scene and making friends and something that i find so interesting about louisville in particular and something i noticed i mean i'm 41 years old and so i started to get into hardcore around the mid 90s Right. I, I look back at that time, especially, you know, it's like in point and like so much was happening <laughs> in a place that ostensibly um, was very weird to see. Right. I mean, the coasts, you would make sense, but then it's like, what, what's happening in Louisville? And like, these shows are huge. Like, so I, I'm guessing as you started to go to shows and start to see, like you said, the the local bands were the big draw. Um, 
was it, did you, I guess, notice that there was something, you know, for lack of a better term, special, or was it basically just like, oh, this is really exciting? Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like, well, you know, I don't think people fully realize how, you know, we had this scene where, you know, it was every weekend, you know, there would at least be, at least be a hundred to 200 people at a show every weekend, maybe two to three nights in a row. Um, and if it was, you know, a big, big show, you know, there could be, you know, anywhere from, you know, five to 700, 800 kids, you know, especially after the whole grunge thing kind of came in and kids started, you know, taking guitar rock, you know, uh, that became, you know, more popular right at that point. So if you could go to a local show, that's what kids did. Um, but, uh, yeah, with bands, you know, I can name, a, a, you know, King Horse, Endpoint, Crane, um, you know, before I really got to go see shows, you know, we had, uh, Squirrel Bait, right. um, you know, Rodan, and then, um, you know, later on shipping news. I mean, there's just so much that was going on. And then the, you know, you've got everything that the Patterson brothers were doing and, um, you know, and they were from a, uh, they were a little further out from Louisville, but, uh, you know, would either bring bands out to where they were or they would come in. Um, yeah. I mean, I always, Louisville is a, an Island within Kentucky, you know, it's kind of, it's completely own thing. Um, you know, we're obviously kind of, um, in a, we're obviously in a red state, but Louisville is not, you know, at least most of the time it's not, uh, uh, like the rest of the state. Right. Right. And I just found it so interesting too. just <clears throat> like you were talking about, there's all this, I mean, and all those bands like sounded so drastically different. There was this, you know, interesting undercurrent of combining, you know, indie rock, hardcore, all the bands played together, like many other scenes. But the the right. size of the shows, like, I mean, you know, in point playing to five, six hundred people, like that was just really insane to think about, especially in a place that, just, like I said, did not seem like there was, um, you know, this attraction that oh. You, on tour you got to go to louisville but it was just like you you know it's like you guys built that scene up to the point where it got so big that people had to recognize it you know right and it, you know and it, and it was you know it, i hate feeling like the old guy but it you know it was you know magical as a as a kid to to go to these things and to be a part of that community and you know it was i remember the you know i've actually i just found some some slides that uh, some of the first bigger, not bigger, but some of the first falling forward shows that and we played, we would uh, have this kind of slideshow going behind us. And it was photos of, you know, that I would have taken over the, you know, months before of just, you know, all the kids hanging out and every, you know, all of us just, you know, doing whatever, doing, uh, being at the club and whatever, and having that kind of, you know, flash behind us, um, you know, and then obviously trying to be, you know, there'd be some things would be cheesy and, and, you know, be, uh, things about the scene or, you know, whatever of, of 
you know, unity and, and, you know, all this stuff. But, uh, but yeah, just jogged my memory back to, you know, some of these clubs because they, you know, now we, we have a decent amount of clubs now. They're not all, all ages, but you know, that's, and I'm sure there's stuff I don't know about cause that's not, you know, right. It's a, it's a young man's game. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. You're not, uh, you're not going out to shows six nights a week. Yeah. I get that. Uh, and so w- was falling forward actually your first band or did you play in something prior to that as well? No, that was the first band and it was, you know, we, when we started, it was rough. <laughs> right. <laughs> if it, I mean, it was rough when, once it even was recording it out there, but, um, but yeah, it was, you know, to the point where some were Duncan, um, from Endpoint, you know, was showing our guys like how to actually make power chords um, instead of just playing single note riffs. Right. Uh, if that makes <laughs> sense, you know, like we, we would have sounded, we would have been way more of a punk band if they didn't learn, you know, the palm mute and the, uh, you know, power chord. Um, right. Because, it, you know, it was just, you know, up and down the scale with one note, dan, 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 you know, that kind of thing. Um, right. But, uh, but yeah, so it was, it was uh, the first band that those guys were already kind of together and practicing. And then I got a phone call um, from Jonathan who lived down the street and he was like, we want you to sing for this band. I was like, well, okay, I can try. <laughs> yep. And, uh, yeah, that just went from there. That's and, and I'm guessing prior to that, your only real sort of vocal slash singing experience probably would have been just like you know either at school or obviously to yourself in the car or the shower and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, and they you know and and you know to their you know whether they were it was uh, intentional or not, or not intentional you know they you know from you know shooting bands they knew that you know, I knew people and, you know, I knew other people in bands. So they, you know, I don't know if that was their full intention, but they, they, you know, when you're going to those shows, you know, you were, you know, you would see the, the guy up front, you know, singing, uh, screaming their heads off. So if, if, you know, that, I think that was their, uh, one of the reasons they thought, you know, he could do it because he's, you know, always grabbing the mic anyway. Right, <laughs> he's, he's he's participating up front, so like he probably has a set of pipes on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or at least you know, at yeah. least he wants to scream. No, I remember the when I and I probably told this story before, but when I first the very first time that we recorded and I went back and and you know got to bring that home, I mean, I was destroyed. I mean, it sounded so horrible to me. Um, you know, hearing your, hearing your voice for the first time recorded is, you know, it's either, you know, either you love it or, or you don't, but it, you know, at that point I was not a fan. Um, but you just kind of close your muddle through it. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're like, well, hopefully I don't sound like that when we play live, you know, because yeah. I'll be, you know, not cut, I'm not going directly into people's ears. There's a bunch of other sound going on. Right. And, and really it's, it's just, it's just getting used, you know, of kind of letting that go and, and just being like, well, if someone, if they're letting me do this, somebody is enjoying it, you know? 
<laughs> right. Yeah. Does it, I don't have to, I, I don't have to actually like it, but uh, yeah, no, but yeah. you, you, you work on it until you get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm, I guess I'm okay with this. Right. This is tolerable. Uh, with the, uh, what was kind of the, I guess the life path for lack of a better term. Cause I mean, clearly, like you said, you know, playing in a band wasn't something that, you know, it was cool, but not to the point where it would be like, Oh man, I can't wait to, you know, play in a band and tour the world and be a rock star or whatever. What was the, uh, what was the idea of, you know, like, did you go to college? Like, were you trying to pursue a quote unquote career as it were? At the time. Yeah, I did go to uh, college for a while. And, um, but, you know, I really did want to do music as much as, as I could once I got a taste for it and, and some of those first tours and, and that kind of lifestyle of just um, connecting with people, meeting new people, going out, you know. Um, and that was at a time where, you know, it seemed not feasible as in, oh, we can – make a living at this, but we can do this and, and, you know, reach a lot of people. Um, and so it was probably even with falling forward, it was something that I was trying to do as much as I could. So it was, I would go to school, work my, um, it was in a, Bowling Green, Kentucky. So that I never spent a weekend at the school. I would always come back for the shows. Um, and then I would go back to college on Monday, usually bail out by Wednesday or Thursday to come back to Louisville to, you know, either play or, or see the shows at that time. Right. Yeah. It was like, there was no, you weren't even participating in anything from a, in the full college. Yeah. I, I, I never really got fully into that. And even though I love the, um, what I was studying, I was studying, you know, uh, they're known for the photojournalism program there. Um, and I love that. And I love, there was a couple guys that I was, you know, that I thought were great and, and, you know, had, and have since, you know, had amazing careers in that world. Um, but, uh, yeah, if, if I was just too focused on the music and, and finally just kind of, I had another, I think I had, I think I left and I had another year to finish, but I, uh, I just <laughs> yeah, sorry guys. Gotta, gotta go on tour. Sorry. Yeah. 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 And yeah, pro- probably not the smartest decision. I probably should have just, you know, finished it up so I could at least have that for him, but you know, it's, uh, it's okay. You made the right choice. I, I'm endorsing all- it. You know, it all worked out, you know, and I, I feel bad because, you know, the same goes for uh, some of the members in Elliot where, you know, you know, um, Kevin's dad still to this day when I see him, he's like, oh, you're the one that made Kevin drop out of college. <laughs> like, sorry. Yep. Yeah. But, but uh, Ke- Kevin's definitely, you know, followed his heart and, and dream and everything that he's been doing and, and, uh, you know, it's that's it's turned out great for him too. I'm ecstatic to tell you about our partner, Evil Greed. What are they? They are a highly curated merchandise provider from Berlin, Germany. I know that sounds very fancy, but in short, they are they act like a record label where it's like they pick handpick bands, labels, and artists that they really wholeheartedly enjoy 
provide a web store solution for them, and then you as the consumer can win when you use this promo code 100 words that gets you 10% off your entire order. They have so many cool pieces of merch from bands like Power Trip, Def Heaven, Nails, and they also work with labels like Triple B, Sergeant House, and so much more. Trust me in going to evilgreed.net, poking around there, you're going to be able to find some really rad merch. And I know you hear Berlin, Germany, and you're like, do they even ship to the United States? Simple answer, yes. And it gets to you lickety split. They actually specifically sent me something just so I could experience it. And I was like, yo, this is like less than like seven days. You got this to me? Oh my gosh, this is incredible. So go to evilgreed.net, use the promo code 100 words. It gets you 10% off your order and go buy some merch. Power trip. Why not? You know, who doesn't need another power trip shirt? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you first started to, like you said, you know, go out of town and play shows and and tour and everything like that, did you uh, enjoy tour with, you know, Falling Forward and then subsequently with Elliot, like just that idea of, you know, getting out there and and playing shows or was there kind of an underbelly that you weren't expecting of, you know, oh, wow, these drives are really long. Like, you know, how was the, uh, how did you react to tour? I think fairly well. Like I said, we're so focused on, or at least the way that I, you know, really started running things. Um, you know, we were wanted to make sure, especially Falling Forward didn't tour a ton. We, you know, we would do a lot of weekends um, out, and then we would we did some East Coast stuff with uh, Endpoint, and then we tried to do a. Florida, well, I guess we did it, but we did a Florida um, tour, which is, I have no idea why we did that, but it was, it was good. I mean, some of the shows, I mean, there was a handful of shows that were good and there were some that were not great, um, but that ended up ultimately breaking up that band um, after that tour, I remember. And then, uh, you know, then I started thinking about, you know, what Elliot would be. Um, and that was basically me, you know, having to learn how to play guitar so that I didn't have to rely on, um, fully rely on, you know, other people. I could kind of at least have a, something to work from at that point. Right. Um, but I, but I, yeah, I, I enjoy, I, I call touring. It's, you know, you, and it's kind of messed me up for the rest of my life is just that exhaustion that you get from touring is kind of like, it's a different kind of sleep, you know? 
Um, so ever since I've, you know, stopped touring a lot, I don't think I've, I've slept like that. Um, but you know, getting to meet new people, sleeping on their floors. I mean, we were never, we never got to the point where it was full, you know, even if we did get to get a hotel room, it was usually, you know, five guys in, in one room kind of situation. Oh, of course. It it wasn't glamorous, but it was, you know, but I always loved it. Right. And how did you navigate that, you know, as we were talking about before, you being kind of the center of attention where people are looking at you, looking to you, you know, because you have a microphone, was that comfortable or did you have to learn, like you said previously, to know your, your strengths and weaknesses in regards to that? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I was, it was definitely something that you just have to kind of grow into, I guess. But, you know, I always enjoyed connecting and then, but also, um, you know, my main strength was, um, you know, more ambition than, than talent really, you know, I could make sure that we got there, make sure that, you know, everything was in place to sound as good as we, as we could. Doesn't mean that we sounded good, but as good as we could, um, you know, and just, be there and 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 for us we we didn't tour you know with a lot of fully like-minded exactly the same sounding um kind of bands that we were um and that was fairly intentional we wanted to play to a diverse audience i don't know that it was the smartest way of doing things um but it you know it we did end up playing some unique uh, shows. I don't know if anybody was enjoying them or not. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. You know, we, we, we did some tours with, uh, I remember we did a, like a less than Jake all tour. I, um, I definitely remember that. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, it didn't come out West, but I definitely, re- it, it, I mean, Elliot was such an interesting band too, because, and I know many of your peers, whether it was, you know, Jimmy World, Get Up Kids, like, you know, Mineral, all of those bands that obviously came from the, you know, hardcore or punk scene, and then didn't necessarily like have a kinship sonically to a lot of bands, but you would just be like, all right, well, like, we'll play this because it's, you know, our friends and we know we'll be playing to an audience that will be there. But yeah, but you guys definitely... Uh, push that envelope with certain bands where it's like this doesn't make sense but we'll try it yeah yeah and you know it was it was usually just like you guys want to open up for this yeah sure we'll open up for anything we'll play wherever you know yeah um and and i think part of that too was um you know i think the most fun that that i had are in the bands that like i really connected you know we we were able to do um, quite a few shows with hot water music and, and I always love those, those shows and, and those tours that was supposed to be our first tour. Um, and it was one of the first, maybe first or second time that they took a little hiatus. Um, and, uh, at that point it was Eva booking them. And then somehow we got on those shows. Um, then they 
broke up or had their, you know, hiatus and, and, uh, and we were just like, well, thanks Eva. We, we, she's like, no, you're still going on tour. We're going to, we're going to find somebody else, you know? Um, right. And so, you know, and that was like, oh, okay, well now we're bonded for life. <laughs> Cause she didn't just kick us to the curb when, uh, when that happened. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, I'm not going to hit the history of Elliot from a record by record scenario, even though I would like to do that. But I, I you know, that's uh, it's punishing for maybe some people. But regardless, <laughs> I, I, I know that, uh, I mean, uh, False Cathedrals clearly, you know, sticks out as a record that definitely brought people that might have hated the band previously to understand where you guys were coming from. And that's a very watershed moment. And I, I personally, from listening to the record, like I, I so distinctly remember giving my mom a copy of False Cathedrals and being like, she's going to like, like, she's going to like this, dude. And I, I felt so passionate about the record. And I know many other people did where it was like, why isn't this bigger? <laughs> you know, why isn't this played in the radio or whatever? And I, I know that it's probably difficult for you to kind of look at it from the inside out, but did you feel I, for lack of a better term, like that momentum that people really did pay attention to that record as you guys started to, you know, get out there and play those. I know that you obviously changed the lineup pretty quickly after it, but did you feel that momentum at all? I definitely, I mean, we're at a point, you know, where we, you know, we came out to record that record. Um, and it was our second time coming out to LA to to record. We did part of U.S. songs out um, in LA as well, and uh, you know, but we recorded it. You know, the other guys had moved on to. They had uh, started driving back to Louisville. I stayed there to do the layout um, with, uh, with Jeff from uh, Game Face over at Revelation, and. Uh, and, you know, it, you know, there was kind of this momentum, this feeling of like, oh man, I, you know, I'm proud of what we just created. Um, and, you know, it's definitely sounds bigger and, you know, we've put a lot of, of work into that record. You know, that was the first time that we had done demos and then pre-production and worked and, and, you know, and and not always to the best, you know, uh, conclusion. I mean, there was there's there's some mixing issues that we would, you know, I'm sure we would love to to address <laughs> with that record. Sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, but as the overall feeling, you know, we it, it did feel great. But it was, you know, there was so much um, happening, you know, at all those at that time period. Um, it was just, it was, I don't know. It was just, it was, it was different. It, it felt great, but it also, we're coming off the tails of, of bands that um, I, we, we weren't expecting anything, that, you know, any type of grand response or we just thought, okay, this was, this is the best that we could have done at this point. Right. Um, you know, because the bands we love, you know, they, they were to us, they were hugely successful and amazing, but you know, 
they were getting dropped from their labels. So that was for us, to me, that was never the point of, of trying to get a major label. We wanted to get to a label that just really wanted to work and push us as, you know, work as hard as we were working, Yeah, you know, and, and Rev did a great job. And then it was at a point where we wanted to kind of keep growing and, uh, you know, possibly have some opportunities other places, but, um, you know, ultimately that, that never, right. Never washed out. Well, I, I think the description of what you were talking about, where it was the most preparation that you put into a record. And I think that's really, uh, emblematic of how you felt, you know, and, and he's not, especially because so much of the scene was so hand to mouth where it's like, if you had a week of recording time, it was like, that's right. so long. Like, what are we going to, you know, what are we going to do in there? And it's like, what do you mean pre-production? Like that, I don't, that, that's what like big bands do. We don't do that. And so for yeah. you to have those experiences, it, you know, understandably made that record feel uh, different. And yeah, that's well, cool. and that was a time too, where they're, you know, like you actually had a budget for, you know, now it's, you know, it's kind of gone. I know it's, uh, don't, if we don't want to get into the, uh, you know, talking baseball about it, but like, you know, it's, it's different. Like now technology has got to the point where you can spend an extraordinary amount of time, uh, on one thing. Cause you, you can pretty much do it yourself. Yep. Um, you know, but back then if you wanted to spend, you know, if you were spending a, a couple of weeks in the studio, you were, you, you had to pay for it. Right. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. You're, you're like, we don't, we can either do this on four. We still are paying for it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> of course. Right. Yeah. We're, we're still recouping. It's totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like, I would never see the money anyway. So yeah, exactly. And uh, on the, you know, what, once you guys shifted the lineup and you, you were touring off song in the air and there was this, um, there was this feeling and I know, cause I saw you a couple of times on that record and you guys were figuring out how to play your older songs in your set. And it was just a whole, frankly, different band experience. And I know oh, that, yeah. and I know that people, uh, the general music public that was paying attention to Elliot definitely had some criticisms of just like, oh, this band isn't rocking anymore, whatever, you know, some <laughs> sure, <laughs> hyperbolic sure. statements. Did you, um, I guess, did you feel any of that personally in regards to, I mean, not like anybody's going to go up to you to show and be like, oh, Chris, your band sucks now. Uh, I mean, maybe, right. maybe they did, but <laughs> um, did, did usually, you, usually yeah. it was, uh, that's in Europe where they go, I don't really like your band, but I will be here next time when you play. <laughs> don't, don't, you know? Yeah. Oh, oh, Chris, you got fat. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 That's very, oh, that's, very German. That's very what German. I'm now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but so, what? I guess did you feel any of that, uh, for lack of a better term, criticism uh, as you guys started to, you know, go out there and play shows and stuff like that, or was it generally kind of you just obviously saw sort of secondhand where it's like, okay, people have an opinion about who we are now. Right. No, it was definitely, you know, we knew what we were doing and, and, and it, you know, for us, it was just about the progression. Um, and we knew that it wasn't, um, you know, maybe the, the shows weren't as dynamic or, you know, everybody going crazy on stage, but 
um, I think I've just, I felt I was just happy about sonically where we were. Um, and, you know, and that's what's kind of different um, and interesting now being able to come back to these songs that really we've never played the way that they were recorded. So it's interesting to come back and to enjoy it, you know, right. The, the, you know, the, the old is now the new, you know, <laughs> totally. Um, There's enough time and, away. And, right. Yeah. And it's, you know, and I'm, and I'm having to, you know, relearn these things in a, in a kind of completely different way. Um, because there's, you know, there is part of that, you know, you hear, you hear of artists or um, saying, oh, I, or, you know, who was it, Courtney Cox, who, you know, she doesn't remember being in, you know, doing Friends. And and I can kind of relate to that because there are certain things that I just don't remember because they're not that they were traumatic or, you know, but that you're just so involved that you know, I don't know what happens. It, you, you just get, it just gets lost. Sure. Somewhere in there. Um, but uh, yeah, we knew it. We knew that, you know, we were making some strange decisions, um, but we were trying to be as um, sincere and honest with our situation. You know, we're not going to recreate, you know, Jay Palumbo, like, we're going to bring in another guy to play guitar and we're going to let him play guitar his way. Right. Um, you know, because it would feel, you know, it wouldn't be authentic to, you know, bring in, you know, another guy and say, okay, play exactly what Jay plays here. You know, now I get to totally. <laughs> I guess Jay's playing it. Yep. <laughs> so I can say, Jay, play what you played. Yeah. Um, do that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do yeah. what you do. Right. <laughs> Exactly. And, and for Jay too, it's, it, it's, it's awesome. Cause we, we're able to, you know, I'm able to go, yeah, don't, I don't even care what you play on the record. Just play what, you know, do your thing, you know, do the Jay thing. Right. And right. It, you know, and, and it's a, uh, it's great. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And the, the business of the band, you know, when you were making these decisions in regards to, and I use business maybe in air quotes because, you know, the moment that you get paid, you know, $200 for a show, you're just like, what do we do with this money? Like, you know, right. So how did you navigate those uh, decisions? Like, did you enjoy the collaborative nature of just like, okay, well, you know, I know that, I mean, especially because singers, it kind of almost defaults to is the person in the band making business decisions. Cause they're like, Oh, it's the guy with the mic or whatever. Um, right. Right. Well, it's interesting. And we've, we've even, you know, as we're, you know, doing this again and, and talking and obviously being um, older and adults about things, you know, it, you know, I realized that like, you know, my, decisions or, or just my um, attitude with things at that point was like, Oh yeah, I'll do the t-shirts and I'll make this and I'll, I'll figure this out and I'll do the layouts and I'll, you know, um, where really I could have reached out because, you know, and Jay before was, you know, in his band empathy, he was, you know, he was the guy that was doing all the moving and, and getting everything together. And, and uh, you know, so it was really, you know, for him to be in a new band and not be that person was kind of a, 
it was a learning experience for him, you know, but it took, you know, 20 years to, to figure that out. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Um, but yeah, I, I do. I, did I enjoy it? I enjoyed it to a degree, you know, but it, it just has to happen. Um, and, you know, for me, it was, you know, everyone's on the same level. Everyone needs to work hard. Everyone's, you know, sacrificing to do this. So let's, you know, do it the best we can do it. And, you know, let's, uh, you know, make sure that it's worth it, you know? Sure. Um, and, and there, you know, there's no money in this, yeah, <laughs> in this, in this world, you know, of any type of, of, of making a living scenario. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, and that, and I'm sure they're, you know, they're, oh, they're band. I don't know how they do it, but they're bands that, that do it and they, you know, and, and it's more, uh, you know, I'm glad, you know, they, I, w- I wish we figured it out. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we could have cracked the code <laughs> That's great. was, um, so transitioning out of the, you know, rat race that, that tour life can be, uh, obviously there's enjoyable aspects to it, but, as you started to, you know, not be Chris from Elliot and then turned into, you know, Chris as a normal human being that, you know, exists in the world, was that a difficult transition for you or was it uh, exciting because you now obviously had time to explore your, your photo career a little bit more? how did you feel? Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, probably it's, it's crazier at the time than, um, than afterwards because, you know, there'd be times, you know, you, you go on tour, you would play, you know, these amazing shows and be with, you know, playing with other amazing bands and, and doing all this. And then, you know, you come home and, you know, you're serving somebody, you know, they're bacon and eggs, you know, it's, 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 a and, you know, and, and it could, it could be, you know, three hours later, you're, you know, you start your, your side gig, you know, your job that you, that gets you, you paid, you know? Um, and you're like, man, how did I, how did I go from there to here, you know, within minutes? Um, but afterwards it was just, yeah, it was, it was really, for me, it was just a time, um, to focus on, you know, my, um, relationships and, um, and, career and 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 working so really it was just kind of switching the dial over it wasn't it wasn't uh a real hard thing yeah but but during it you know just uh the amount of things that you have to do to you know to keep the band going uh once you get home um you know is uh you know and that's the fun part of it too you know right you know we had everything from driving taxis to you know working in restaurants and you know doing that the whole thing right exactly well especially too because at those times when you're making decisions about your life you are building them all around the band and the availability to be in the band as opposed to the other way around where it's like oh i can still play in a band but i don't need to be on tour 250 days out of the year or whatever yeah and it was you know and and we were ruthless and that's you know and it's probably partially you know it was 
part of the reasons that um, you know Jay and Jonathan had left. You know, Jonathan had a family, and and Jay was wanting to you know focus on some of his relationships outside of music, and uh, you know, but I was just on that track of no, we've you know we need to practice you know four days a week, and we need to you know no one gets a vacation because if one, you know, one person gets two weeks, then the next person wants to, to right. you, know, you know, and then we haven't done anything for three months, you know? Um, you know, so I think the first time I had a, you know, quote unquote vacation, uh, you know, was once Elliot had ended. Right. Um, and it's not, that's not the way to do it. You need to be a little smarter. You need to, you know, take that time when you need to, um, you know, it's uh there's a balance there, right? <laughs> you need to find the balance. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And that, that, that was not my strong suit. Yeah. At that time. Understandable. Uh, Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. <laughs> From the, uh, like you were saying uh, a, a bit ago in regards to, you know, uh, when you guys were making decisions around, you know, song in the air and like maybe not working with Revelation and you probably most likely were, you know, talking to other either independent record labels or major labels. Like, were there, uh, you know, a, a funny and or interesting experiences when you were getting, you know, maybe quote unquote corded where it's like, oh, we got to sign this, this band and, you know, maybe let's uh, take them out to dinner or whatever. Did you have any experiences right. like that? Not a ton, uh, not really anything like that, especially from, from like majors, but you know, we worked with, um, with a publishing company, um, early in our career. Um, and really that kind of ended right after false cathedrals was recorded because the, um, company was bought by a larger, um, subsidiary and, uh, you know, and they had everybody from Tom Petty to Beach Boys and whatever. And then uh, we recorded that record and then uh, and then they got bought and we we were just an artist in development. So we just kind of they were like, no, you can keep that record and see you later. And we're like, awesome. Thanks. Um, sure. You know, so 
But then, you know, after uh, Falls Cathedrals, then we were thinking of going, moving to um, another label, um, Arena Rock. Oh, if, sure. Uh, familiar with them, with Greg. Yep. And he he was super awesome and it and he came out and we hung out and yeah nothing sleazy or weird or any of the stuff he was just an awesome guy and uh we thought that would be a really good fit um at the time he's they were doing some cool stuff he was based out of brooklyn at the time um and that was kind of the plan and uh but we were going to deliver like an EP we thought to rev and then that would fulfill our contract and, and everybody was, you know, would be happy, but in, you know, really in, within all that, it, it ended up being, we needed to, they needed a, a full length to, to do that. And so we stayed, we had our own studio at the time, uh, Kevin did. And, uh, and so we just went back and just, kept plugging away at it until we, you know, got a full length out of it. Um, and, you know, and I think that kind of just stole a little bit of the fire of, you know, that next record kind of thing. Sure. Um, and, and then once, uh, once we toured and we did everything off, off for that record, then it was at a point where, um, you know, Benny was like, yeah, I think I'm, I'm finished. And, you know, and I was at the point where I was like, I am not going to try to find another guitar player. Yeah, you're like, I'm tired. I'm tired, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, I totally get that. Um, a few last things I want to hit on before I let you go was the, um, you know, when when you put together uh, Frontiers and you know you started to be musically available again. You know, I, I know that right. basically, you know, after obviously Elliot ended and um, you know you became a well, I say become a real person that sounds so dramatic but like you know like you like you said there's that you know young person's game in regards to you know keeping up with independent music and going to you know all these shows a week it seems like you've right. you know like with frontiers and um you know every time you've kind of put that out there there's been that element of like you know you're not a public person in regards to hey here's me on social media and here's all this sort of stuff um so I guess what inspired you to just like put together frontiers and then also kind of a, a second part of it, just the idea that, um, you know, you don't put yourself out there that greatly from a, um, you know, the, the fact that it's like, Hey, you sang for a band, like, you know, you could easily, you know, promote your photography for you there, but you know, you're, you, that's not what you want to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I think, well, first with frontiers, it was, that was something, you know, that, I thought was going to happen right after Elliot, like that I would, you know, I was like, you know what, I'll just, I'll, I'll be able to put something together and maybe it'll be just, maybe it'll be more of a project type situation. Um, but I knew of um, a drummer or not a drummer, a uh, bass player that I wanted to play with, with Brian Todd. And so, I mean, it was probably a few months later that I, that him and I were in the talks of, of playing together, but then it took forever <laughs> sure. to put the rest of that together. Um, yeah. And, you know, and so, and then that band was, you know, together for quite a long time, but we, you know, but it was it, at that point, it was very much and built into the band was this is 
at everyone's own pace, you know, um, again, on the other side of balance, but maybe even a little bit too lax. <laughs> sure. In balance. Sure. You know, Cause it was like, you know, uh, you know, practices on Wednesday. Oh, I got some come up on Wednesday. That's fine. You know, practice canceled. <laughs> sure. You know, um, back in the day, it'd be like, well, didn't make it work, you know, show up. <laughs> right. Um, you know, now it, you know, it's, it was, it got to the point where it was just like, Oh, we didn't, we haven't practiced in two months. You know, it's because everybody had something to do on Wednesday. You know, maybe we need to change the day. <laughs> um, but then, uh, you know, as far as, yeah, the, for me, it's just always my preference, just not to shove things down people's throats. That's not the way I want to be. That's not how I want to do things. I'm not a self promoter, even with, in our business, we have, you know, somewhat of an issue with that. Um, (laughs) I love that. Somewhat of an issue. Hey, who's shooting the photos? Uh, Chris, Chris is, but he's, yeah, you don't know that. It's okay. (laughs) You know, well, it's just, you know, even, you know, it's, you can only, only so many shoots can be the best shoot that you've ever had in your whole life. You know, um, you you know, it's, it's, this is great. And, um, we love to document things, um, you know, but sometimes with the way that social media goes, it's just like, you know, some of it is just, you know, it's, it's just BS. People are, are just talking garbage because that's what you're supposed to do. Um, right. You know, and really you should just let your, work stand for its its own, you know, and that's, that's kind of way I've always done with music. I feel like, and, and, um, and, you know, and then, then with the rest of our career in, in photography and, and things like that, that's what I want to do as well. It's like, right. You know, do the work. Right. Um, but I know it's, it's, a that's a hard, uh, it's a hard thing to balance. <laughs> sure. No, I totally get that. You know, because you got it. You have to. You know, you got to get out there too. So it's it's a it's a double edged sword. Right, right. It's a it's a balancing act. The um and so obviously you know the, the reunion playing shows and doing things that you ostensibly like would never have been able to do probably when you existed as far as like playing you know, these, these larger shows or what have you. I mean, you know, you did right. play shows that were larger back in the day, but now the fact that's like, oh, yeah. Well, th- yeah. It's, 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 it's mind blowing. So, you know, like just to think one with, you know, this all started with furnace fest, obviously, and to be a part of that. And, and uh, you know, it's, you know, we played that, you know, back in the day, but now it's, it's such a different thing and you've got the nostalgia that, obviously is built in and, but, you know, just seeing all the names of, of the bands that are, you know, playing those three days are, you know, it's, it's, it's insane. I mean, it it looks, it looks amazing. Um, And to be a part of that is just, we're just privileged to, to even, you know, you know, be spoken in in some of the same. (laughs) Right. So we're, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm scared. Um, you know, to be honest, it's, it's gonna, it's nothing that I've ever, uh, experienced like that. And then we're, 
able to do some shows with, you know, with other bands that are, that are really, you know, showing us a whole new level of things that, you know, and we respect. So yeah, it's going to be crazy. Right. Well, and, and arguably it's, you, you actually will be able to look at this in, you know, somewhat more of an appreciative light because it is a more rare occurrence as opposed to, you know, here's another show. Not like that was the attitude you approached it back in the day, but there's, it, right. it does get in that little bit of a routine, even if you are playing a show that's like, oh, cool, we played for another 300 people tonight. Like, that's exciting. Whereas, like, now it's like, we get to play for a 300 people? Really? <laughs> exactly. No, it's amazing. I mean, you know, and, and as you get older, you realize, I mean, just the amount that it takes you to get out of the house to go see a show, you know, um, that you put that on other people and you're like, you know, if, if there's 20 people there, that's amazing that they, you know, got a babysitter or they, right, right, right. You know, they took time out of their day or they, you know, decided not to go swimming and come to this, you know, sweaty show instead. Um, you know, you, you appreciate things a little bit more, especially from, you know, when we were, you know, teenagers, I mean, that was, you know, you're just, you don't have a clue. No, you're, you're, yeah, you're dumb. You barely can tie your shoes. Yeah. I totally get it. <laughs> no, uh, and, and I don't mean to, to say it like that, but it, yeah, it's, you know, it's, you just don't appreciate yes. uh, some of the things you're, you're wrapped up in, you know, in your life and that's the way you should be. So yeah, I don't mean to say that. No, you know, no. The, the young are <laughs> stupid. It's, it's, it's just that uh, you, you realize how much, you know, you, you have the time to do that. And that's, that's the point. I, I, I think the biggest thing about, and, and what I try to tell my kids and what, you know, anybody that'll listen, I mean, when you're young, you have the time to devote, you know, eight hours a day to that one thing that you like. And that's why I think some of the, that is why the best music is made by younger people is because they have all that time. Um, you know, even if someone right now just said, okay, all you have to do is play music and you, you get paid, it, it would still get, you know, my time would still be divided up between family and, and all these other things. And it, and it obviously should be. Um, but you know, when I think of the bands that I love and the records that were made, it's when they had all this time to devote to one singular thing, you know, Yep. Um, and to be obsessed with that. Totally. Um, Just let that, let and, that consume them. Yeah, I know you're very right. And uh, on that last thing, uh, the idea that, you know, I mean, you are a family man, you have children, the, you know, how do your, uh, how do your kids react to, uh, you know, your bands? Like, do they, um, do they like Elliot? Do they think it's, you know, just dumb dad music or how, how are they reacting to uh, all this stuff kind of coming back into your life? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, they're definitely picking up on it and, you know, listening to it. It's not like, you know, I've, they're not, I'm not going into the room and they're, you know, rocking out or. <laughs> right. Let me, but, let, uh, let me put the, if they will seven inch. Okay. Come on guys, let's listen yeah. to this. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, our, my, our sons play, they both play piano and, um, and all that. And, and, uh, when we first started talking about this, then, you know, I, I did hear, uh, you and playing calm Americans, you know, doing the, the intro, uh, to that song from the piano, um, you know, kind of figuring it out and, 
and whatnot. But uh, yeah, this will be the you know their first time really seeing um, me do this kind of stuff. I mean, Ewan was when Frontiers was around and doing stuff. He was he may have saw him, but he was probably you know four or five um, when we were doing some of that stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this will be the first time that they get a chance to kind of see, see what this is all about, you know? Um, and hopefully they get to see some cooler bands than us as well. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause it, no, I mean, no matter what, they're going to look at your band like, Oh, it's dad's band. But like, you know, Oh wow. Like these other bands are playing with, those are actually good. <laughs> no, <just kidding. laughs> they, they, uh, they, they, you know, they, they've got a, a good sense of, of what they're into, you know, slowly getting into. Yeah. And, uh, but usually it's, you know, it comes from, it comes either from, uh, you know, video games or yeah, movies. not you, not you, of course. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Cause whatever you're into, obviously, you know, as a, as a parent is not going to be cool. That's right. Right. That's right. <laughs> well, Chris, thank you so much for letting me, uh, you know, spring around your brain like this. But uh, yeah, big, big fan of what uh, you do and what you've put out in the world. So thank you very much. Well, I appreciate it, Ray. Anytime. And, and uh, yeah, thanks for doing this. Eternal thanks to Mr. Chris Higdon from Elliot. And uh, yeah, please check out Elliot and all of his musical projects. And he is a very talented photographer in the Louisville, Kentucky area. So uh, yeah, just look him up on the interwebs and you'll be able to see that. But yes, thank you to him. Thank you to Vic for connecting the dots. And thank you to you. Because let's be honest, if you are still listening to this post-roll segment, that means you are engaged with this show. And I really genuinely, genuinely do appreciate that. So next week, I have another banger up my sleeve. And this is its so wild for me to say this, especially after following up with a Chris from Elliot conversation. I have Jeff Rowley professional skateboarder featured in Tony Hawk's pro skater. This dude, I mean, to say he's a a cultural icon, like maybe that is, you know, very grandiose to say, but he absolutely is. I know he loomed large in my life. I just always thought he was cool for, um, you know, not only the professional skateboarder that he was, but the music choices that he cut into and the fact that, um, yeah, he just changed skateboarding in so many different respects. And I just always appreciated his attitude. So I chased him down and I was like, hey, do you want to come on this podcast and uh, talk about music? And he was like, oh my gosh, can we talk about Discord for like an hour? And I was like, you're, you're, you're here, you're home, my friend. <laughs> so Jeff Rowley is on the podcast next week. And again, thank you for listening to either this episode or any other episode that you may have dipped into in the past. I really, really, really genuinely do appreciate that. So as I say at the end of all of these, please be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, 
eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.